just do a casual reading of the book of Genesis. And what does it tell you? That God spoke it, and then it tells us that the Spirit of God enacted it. Isn't that amazing? The Bible tells us in Colossians 1 that Jesus was involved, and everything that was made was made by Him. See, they're there to gather three, and yet one. Always in agreement. Even when Jesus walked the earth as a man, the God-man, fully God, fully man, He did just that, that He was God. And it's important for us to see that. You see, His government, it says, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Now, our nation has lasted for well over 200 years, and hopefully it will continue to last. Obviously, we are a, a gigantic power in the world, maybe the, the strongest militarily and financially, although we have a big debt load, don't we? We won't get into all that. That's, that. We'll leave that with political things, okay? But I'm just simply saying this. Hopefully, our nation will last. Jesus tarries. I hope we're a great mission outpost to the rest of the world that we use the freedom we have to share Jesus Christ with everybody. But imagine living somewhere where the government changes every five, ten years. Our world is rapidly changing, isn't it? Governments fall. One dictator will rise, another will fall. Isn't it amazing? Just imagine what this scripture sounds like to them where they've been in a culture where maybe they've had three governments the last 20 years. Just think about what that must feel like to have that uncertainty. We could have uncertainty here. You see, we've got to bow to the Lord. The Lord promises that He will honor a nation that honors Him. And I want to tell you something. One of the things our nation's not doing a very effective job, and we have to say that even the Church of Jesus Christ we're not doing as a, an effective job as we have in days gone by, is that we need to honor the Lord in all that we do. God will honor that nation. The Bible says so. It's a promise of God. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I don't know about you, but I adore what God has done for me in that he gave me peace with him, and now I, as a Christian, can subjectively walk when I'm obedient to Him and have the peace of God that is, is beyond my understanding. It's beyond my comprehension. But no matter what's going on in my life, whether it's stormy or it's calm, the Lord can do something for me. He can keep me very peaceful in my walk in this life. And I am so... The Bible says it in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You can go back to that. It's a great passage. It says these simple words. It just simply says that He will keep us in perfect peace. Isn't peace an awesome thing? Peace is an awesome, awesome gift from Almighty God. He'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind on Him. Think of Jesus. Study His Word live for him live that out every day get your mind on on him and he will keep you in perfect peace of this government that the lord jesus has it will never ever end it will continue to increase throughout this life this time that we're living in because people are coming to jesus christ as lord and savior amen and then it says that there will be no end can you imagine it, there's just no end. I think you almost have to be in those circumstances where you've seen turmoil and political upheaval to get that uh, on a personal level. 
But we know that could happen here in the United States with all that's going on in the world. Uh, it's something that could be uh, just uh, very... Um, join me in verse 7. Let's get back to this. Verse 7, verse B, part B here, it says, He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The prophecy speaks... Um, about him being a descendant of David. If you look in the book of Matthew, chapter 1 and verse 17, Matthew declares that there were 14 generations between Abraham and David. And then there were 14 more between David and Jesus. Jesus was a descendant in the throne, in the line of David. Now, why is that important? Here's why it's important. Because God said it would happen this way. It's another verifier. It's another proof that Jesus, who walked the earth, who came in Bethlehem, born as, uh, to Mary, that he really is the Christ of heaven, that he's the one that the Bible spoke of in this Old Testament passage. So let's get down to why he's wonderful. Oh, by the way, did you, did you know that Jesus is just wonderful? Did, I mean, let me just stop. Have you heard that today? Huh? I mean, man, you ought to have a smile on your face, and you ought to get an amen out of that mouth, and you ought to be doing a hallelujah and a praise God, because Jesus is just wonderful, church. We, pep rally's coming just, just a second. I'm going to do a little bit more preaching, and then we're going to pep rally, okay? We're going to pep rally. Only this is the ultimate pep rally, because it's for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one that's over all things. Listen to this. Why is he wonderful? Ask that question with me. Well, it says that this child has been born to us because here's why he's so wonderful. He's wonderful because of who he is. Who is he? I told you I got hung up on wonderful. I was going to preach on one of the other, one of the other names here, one of the other titles. I, I just couldn't. I started studying. I, told, I, I even told Patrick earlier in the week, yeah, I'm going to preach on Prince of Peace. I couldn't get to the Prince of Peace because I got hung up on wonderful. He's wonderful, folks. He's just wonderful. When you, when you take a look at Jesus, you just, sometimes he gets a hold of you and you take a look at something and there it is and it just keeps coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And as I studied, I just kind of got hung up on wonderful. Now, sometime... Down the road, Lord willing, I'll preach on all these other titles. Amen? And I know wonderful counselor go together, but I got hung up, church. Do you understand me? I got hung up on wonderful, and I couldn't get off of it. And as I studied, I'm like, just, Lord, Holy Spirit talking to me, just tell him he's wonderful. And tell him how they should revere him in just that way tell them how they should get connected to the most wonderful thing in all of life which is the person of jesus christ tell them i'm going to tell you he's wonderful because he is wonderful have, have i did i say that a minute ago i just want to make sure i get that over today you know i'm a finite man just like you and 
fallible in every way. And, and I'm just trying to communicate something about Jesus that is just incredible. You see, Jesus is simply wonderful. He really is. Why is he wonderful? I, I was going to talk to you about that. Because he's the ultimate counselor, isn't he? He's the ultimate counselor. You can take everything to him and he will give you answers. And if they're not, if they're not objective answers that are just, this is, this is what you should do, and it's not just clear-cut, black and white, right there in print, he will speak to your heart, commune with you, and he will guide you by the peace that he gives you. As we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he tells us not to get anxious about anything, but to, to put our request before the Lord, and that he will he will keep you in this realm of peace with him on the direction you should go. It's one of the great barometers for me. If I feel disturbance in my peace with the Lord, I know that I need to back up and just wait, or I need to go a different direction. And God guides us. The Holy Spirit of God lives in us. Hey, have I told you, by the way, that Jesus is just wonderful? Have I said that today? Jesus is just wonderful. I want you to have a Christmas where you join me because I'm your pastor and I was supposed to tell you this, that you spend the next several days just telling people Jesus is just wonderful. Did you know that, folks? I want you to be an echo of your pastor today and you just go around telling people Jesus is wonderful because you know what? Jesus is just simply wonderful. We all, we're not pep rally yet. Wait a minute. We've got to do some more preaching. Here we go. Ultimate counselor. He's wonderful because he is the ultimate counselor. He's the mighty God. I already talked about that he has that same status with God the Father. In the Trinity, they are three, but yet personalities, but they have been revealed to us as one. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus very clearly that God is one, but yet he's revealed himself like this. Why did he do it? I don't know the answer to that question. I just know that's the way God did it. And it's a faith statement for me that I read it, I accept it, and one of these days when I get to heaven, I might understand all the facets of the Trinity. Amen? Man, we can talk about it as water and use that illustration that water can be a vapor, water can freeze and be solid, and water can be a liquid. But that still fails describing the Trinity, doesn't it? There's all kinds of examples in, in life and history, and, and we see those, but they all fail because this is God we're talking about. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. How about that for a title that he even gets the Father's title? He's the everlasting Father. Isn't that amazing? He's wonderful because he's the ultimate counselor. Did you hear that? He's the ultimate counselor. He is the everlasting Father. He's the mighty God. And then that title I was going to preach on that I never got to, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the one that came by knocked on my house, on the heart of my heart, my inner heart, and he told me, revealed to me who he was, and a little young man at 15 years old gave his life to Jesus Christ, and I have known that peace with God, and so much of my life I've been experiencing this peace of God, and know that when we walk with him, he is the Prince of Peace. He can take a world of turmoil and bring you to a place of incredible peace, can he? He's also wonderful because of what he did. Let me share with you three things, and we'll wrap up here in just a second. Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, the story is legit. 
It's been analyzed, evaluated more than any story throughout history. People have tried to disprove it. They've tried to disprove that he even existed as a man. There's all kinds of records that show that he, he physically existed here on the earth. That there was this Jesus of Nazareth. There's people that have taken on the resurrection portion and tried to disprove that, that he died. Uh, oh, I had to study the swoon theory when I was in seminary. I even read uh, Shunfield's book, Hugh Shunfield. I, I, it was a book that uh, was out of the library at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, just to put that in there today. That's mainly for my staff. Um, <laughs> Because they're all, they're all there. Uh, I just simply, I, I remember reading that book and I remember, I remember feeling evil in my hands. Evil penetrating my eyes. That the most incredible truth of all mankind, I, I, uh, I don't know that that book got returned to the library. Can't remember. I know, Lord, it's my message, I know. Dramatic pause. I, I think it may have gotten dirty or injured or something happened to it, but I, I don't know that it made it back. You know, occasionally you run into something like that. You know, if I did that, I paid for it. You do know that, right? Okay, just so you know. I really was like, man, people shouldn't read this junk. I mean, I, I read it. I'm, you know, I could, I could cipher through that, but it was, it was evil. It was evil. I thought, man, what a, what a, this was back, I mean, he wrote that book, I think, in the 70s. It was right during the God is Dead movement. Anyway, Jesus lives sinlessly. Have you heard in this building today, in the music, prayer, something, preaching, that Jesus is simply wonderful? He is. He lives sinlessly. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4. This is such an incredible passage. It says these words, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus Christ did what I could not. Even though he was a man and he was tempted in every way, and that's hard for us, if you kind of focus on the deity of Christ, and I do that more in my life too than his humanity, it's hard for me to think about Jesus being tempted in every way that I've been tempted. But the Bible says it's so, so therefore it's so, isn't it? It's so. Jesus went through this life. We know that his life was brief. And uh, we know this. He lived a sinless existence. And here's the great truth for you. The Bible says you need someone like that. The Old Testament sets it up that we have to have a sacrifice like that. There has to be a Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the entire world as John shared when he saw Jesus approaching him when he was baptizing people in the Jordan. Jesus was baptized and man, he told us he, he, he was not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. Listen to this. The Bible says that he died sacrificially. The next day, John saw Jesus coming, the very passage I just spoke of. He saw him coming and said, Look, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not a lamb, not a sacrifice, the definite article in the Greek text, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of all the world. I can stand here forgiven of my sin. You can sit there forgiven of your sin because of the blood of Christ that He sacrificed Himself and bled and died for you. That's how we have a connection with God. In fact, let me just say this, in our pluralistic culture that we live in, it is the only way for you to get connected to God. It's through Jesus Christ, His Son. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse 6, these incredible words. He says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus talking, not people talking about Jesus. It is an exclusive claim, and He says the only pathway to God is through Him. That's the only way to to get to God the Father is through Him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you need to come to the way, the truth, and the life today. You need to come to the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. The Bible says He rose again. So we're not just going to talk about Christmas and what Christmas represents because the message is incomplete. Amen? It's complete when you finish the story. Jesus came, and that's the Christmas story. Such an incredible story. But here it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen to this, verse 3 it says, For what I received I pass on to you of, as of a first importance, that Christ died. Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture. That He was buried and that He ra- was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. Now, why did they go into all that detail? Paul, being the writer here, Why is he going into all this detail about every single thing that he says about Christ? Hear it again. He says, for what I received, what God gave to me, I now pass on to you. Do you know that's the responsibility of everybody in this room? What God gives to you, it's your responsibility to pass it on. It's your responsibility to pass it on. What you've received from the Lord, pass it on. Share it. Here's what he says. For what I received, I passed on as of first importance that Christ died. And what did he die for? For our sins. Christ died for our sins. The story's not complete at Christmas. You've got to go to Easter. And you've got to hear that story of the resurrection to know why he came and what it's all about for each one of us. It says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Back to the book of books. Amen. According to the scriptures, listen to this, he was buried. Now, do you bury living people? All we hear it's happened on occasion, but not in this case. He was dead. God's son died. Jesus physically died. That's been challenged through the years, too. They examined his body. They thrust a spear into his side. Often they would break their legs, and the Bible says that he would not have a bone broken. Prophetically, it says that. And because he bled, when they, he punctured his side, water and blood, it was separated already. One of the, one of the factors that it shows that, that death has already set in, so they didn't break his legs on the cross. The, all these little things are so important for us to take note of because it's telling you this is your hope. This is your peace. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to understand. 
You see, Jesus wants you not to have Christmas just with your family. He doesn't want you just to have presents and give presents. He doesn't want you just to have a good time and a few days off. He wants you to have Christmas come all the way home to your heart. Because if you haven't heard, Jesus is just wonderful. Amen? He's just wonderful, church. Oh, he's wonderful. And if you're here today and you don't know him personally, today's your day. You can come to know Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We're going to give an invitation in just a moment. And you can respond and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. How do you do that? Lord, that's a, that's a weird word today. You make him the boss, the leader, the manager. Those are all words that would fit there, that are concepts, that that's what you're doing. And you ask God to take away your sin. You're believing on Jesus, that he died and he rose again for you. And then the last thing it says, and you need to catch this, it says that he was raised on the third day according to what again? Well, the Bible's a big deal, isn't it? God makes that a big, big deal because it's his self-revelation. Besides people that know him, and that can be an imperfect illustration, amen? Because we're imperfect. Even those of us that know Jesus and His Spirit's living in us and people say, oh, look at that hypocrisy. And sometimes they're right. But the Word of God is perfect, isn't it? And He's given us this truth and here it comes thrusting out at you and here's what it says. It's so important to catch this. It says that He rose again according to the Scripture. Now I just want to ask you a question. You know, you know anybody that's been dead and come back to life? Through medical science today, there are some people that have died. They see light. Some, some see darkness. And they're revived, and they talk about being wished back to this planet, to their body. I think they're onto something. Because I know what they're talking about is a real thing, isn't it? We exist beyond this life. I believe they are talking about something. But still, dead men... Dead women die and are not raised back to life, right? But in this passage, he says that he was raised on the third day. He was dead for three days. He's gone. And he rose again the third day according to what? Scriptures. Hey, J Jesus, did you know Jesus is just wonderful? Did you know that? Oh, man, it's pep rally time now. It's about, we gotta get to, We might just turn Baptocostal and do a little shouting in here, all right? All right? Jesus is just wonderful. He really, really is. Where is he wonderful? Here's the only question that remains. Where is he wonderful? Where is he wonderful? Where is Jesus wonderful? Jesus is wonderful in the kingdom of heaven, isn't he? The Bible says that he's the, he is the, the light there. And he, we have so many descriptions of him. And it tells us about how he's praised and revered and worshipped and sung about and adored in heaven. And it says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, listen to this. In a loud voice they said, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That is a heavenly pep rally. Amen? That's what you're reading and looking at and watching. And look at this. He says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and on the sea, and 
all that are in them, singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. The four living creatures joined in, and they said, Amen, and the elders. fell down and worshipped him. They prostrated themselves down on the ground and worshipped the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that is the hero of heaven and the one that could be the hero of your soul today. That's what he did. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us, is from God, not from us. I want to leave you with something. I know how inadequate I am today. I really do. I'm going to switch gears for just a second to use it for an illustration. There's some things I've had in my life that are just, they're just, is just incredible. I can remember today I go home to get my bride, celebrate Christmas with her and her family, and then Thursday they pack the truck, and she and my daughter Keila. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, we'll be back here Friday late or maybe Saturday midday. And I got my family here. So I'm, I'm not just excited about Jesus is wonderful. I'm excited about my family too. But I tell you, you know, for some, some weeks I didn't kiss Kemma. I was a student at Liberty University and, you know, they were kind of down on the physical touch thing. And I didn't kiss her. But when I kissed her, Lord have mercy. Wow, I was, I was a done man. I'm like, she's it. That's, that, this is it. And fellas, I hope you tell your wife that today. I'm giving you a shot to have a really good Christmas and a great new year. I really am. But I want to read to you something. Here is the dictionary definition of kiss, and I think it, it's from Webster's. I can't remember where I pulled it from. This is the definition of a kiss. A kiss is a caress with the lips, a gentle touch or contact. Is that what I experienced? Is that what happened to me and I get to kiss that lady the, the rest of our lives? Is that what, when I kissed my children at night or they get up in my lap when they were little, you know, in their 20s and 30s they kind of quit that. And they, you know, you, you kiss them and that little, oh, just that little special kiss from those little tiny lips and that love that's conveyed when a mama kisses her baby. Is, is that what, is that it? Listen to that. A caress with the lips, a gentle touch or contact. Gee, that just leaves me cold. I have tried to describe to you that Jesus is just simply wonderful. I know, I know, I know, I know that my words fail 
describing who he is and how wonderful he is. But I've tried. I gave it my best shot. I hope the Holy Spirit takes it and uses it in your life and encourages you and lifts you up and that you just walk around this Christmas going, you know what? Have I told your family? Jesus is just wonderful. Jesus is just wonderful. Now, I want to share with you, he's wonderful because he's the ultimate counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Which title does really, it just speaks to your heart this Christmas? What title of those? You can tell I got hung up on what? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just practice a couple times. Ready, church? Jesus is simply wonderful. That's good. All right. See if they can do better over here. All right. Jesus is simply Check this out. It's time for you personally to discover how wonderful Jesus is. He wants to save you from your sins. 